0: Hello everyone and welcome back to the Arcadia Ledger podcast. Today we are talking all things Doctor Who and I am joined by my friends Lexi and Ginger. Say hi everyone. Hi. (laughs) So get excited because it is going to be a fun Whovian ride. And Ginger, how did you guys find Doctor Who? What's your history with the series?
1: Um, I got introduced to Doctor Who when I was a bit younger. And so my family members were watching it. And my mom remembered watching it when she was a kid. And so the reboot came up and we all just kind of jumped right into it. So, yeah, I really love it. And I love watching the classic Doctor Who episodes on the BBC. And so, yeah, I've just been kind of watching it since then.
2: Yeah, I unfortunately have not seen Classic Who. I started Me neither. (laughs) Unfortunately. Yeah, I wish I I just don't know where to watch it at this point, so it's really frustrating. But um (laughs) YouTube regular like the new Doctor Who, um, when I gosh, it must have been like five years ago now.
0: It was Um, summer twenty fifteen.
2: Summer twenty fifteen, yep. I knew it was the (laughs) summer and (laughs) just Running soccer soccer practices and in my free time, that's
0: what I would do. I remember that you being like, I got to this episode, but I have to go to soccer. Yeah. <laughs> so, um, to explain a bit of this backstory to you guys, um, and the reason why I remembered um so specifically when Lexi watched Doctor Who was she watched it right after me, um during the summer twenty fifteen. So I discovered the show. Right after I had spinal surgery, I finally started watching while I was in recovery because I couldn't do much and it was uh it was an opportunity oh my gosh, and it was an opportunity for me to sit down and really binge the show that I'd been looking forward to, so I'd heard about the show for a long time and wanted to watch it, but I waited until I'd had my spinal surgery so I could binge it all during recovery and it was a very fun ride i at the time, the first seven seasons were on netflix um. R.I.P. Doctor Who on Netflix. <laughs> I miss it. <laughs> um, gosh, I remember yes. when Lexi gave me that news and we cried. <laughs> like, we called each other crying. That was
1: awful. Like
0: It's also not that, I just... Time anymore. I know. It's so sad.
1: And we don't get satellite TV, so we don't have the BBC anymore. And so it's like, I've been having to watch the episodes on YouTube. And they're, like, cut and pasted from... Various recordings and the quality isn't very high, no. I'll admit. <laughs> oh,
0: it's so frustrating. Um but at the time, <laughs> um, I had a wonderful time watching it on Netflix and literally five minutes it couldn't have been more than five minutes after I finished the last episode that that was on Netflix, the final episode of season eight, and I was a complete mess, because this had taken over my entire life. And I was like, what am I going to do? Lexi texted me that she had finished the first season and was freaking out about what happens to Rose. And I was like, oh my goodness. Um, and from there on out, throughout the summer, she watched it. And we had many, many sleepovers. Um And we created Doctor Who. Oh my gosh, what was that app? I don't know. Were you... Where you did the, where you did the (laughs) lip (laughs) syncing. Right, it was TikTok before TikTok. (laughs) It was
2: was like another, another version of it. I don't remember. Oh my gosh.
0: What was it called? (laughs) Basically, it was this app where you would lip sync to different things. And we did a whole bunch of Doctor Who ones. Um, like funny things from like hey who turned out the lights to like us reenacting don't blink reenacting doomsday and all that it was a blast um and that really became a big part of the foundation of our friendship i would say over those first years um it's something we bonded over was being Hoovians and kind of entering into that world at the same time because both of us discovered it at a pretty random time just randomly in 2015 like it wasn't with the reboot it wasn't you know (laughs) It's it's ten years after the review. Yeah, literally ten years after the review. Yeah. Um, so we had a very different experience. Obviously, I do have
1: to say that watching Blink when I was pretty young. I think the first time I saw the episode Blink was when I was, uh, twelve. Maybe I was a kid at the time. I mean, I didn't see it when it like first aired. So we ended up watching some rerun on TV. I was absolutely terrified. Uh-huh. I could not look at statues the same way again. E- even right now, like I'll walk, be walking by a church cemetery and they have those angel statues that are crying with the, the Mary with her hands over her face. And I'm like, it's walk, don't look at the
3: statue.
1: <laughs> and well, no, it's you like do want to look at it. <laughs> well, I mean, I mean, if it's going to get me, it's going to get me. There's something I can do. I mean, <laughs> just be faster than my siblings, at least.
0: <laughs> oh, goodness. <laughs>
1: Yes. What,
2: and uh,
1: I'd, have to say I'd have to say my favorite episode is the one with and the Vincent and the doctor. That one. Oh, beautiful, you- beautiful episode.
3: <laughs> <Sorry>.
1: <laughs> I mean, that's my second but, favorite. Yeah, but yeah I, favorite. yeah, I think my favorite episode is Vincent and the doctor just because it's so it's beautifully so beautiful. written. And it's just so and touching. And I always cry when I watch it. But then I watch it again. It's like,
0: Vincent and the doctor is my second. I'm gonna
2: suffer.
1: It's like that Harry Potter line. We're going to suffer, but we're going to be happy about it.
0: (laughs) That's funny. Yeah, I love Vincent and the Doctor. It is so, so beautiful and such a nuanced depiction of mental health. And it is definitely up there, probably my second favorite. Um, I actually just did a kind of celebratory post because it was recently Vincent van Gogh's birthday, which is really cool. Um, And Mm -hmm. I rewatched the episode, (laughs) which is awesome. It's kind of a... It's a fun way for us Whovians to celebrate. Um, you know, not only his legacy and his birthday, but also this episode that I think, in general, we all love and cherish. Um, it's viewed as one of the best yeah. episodes of Doctor Who. Um, definitely modern Who. But my favorite episode <laughs> will is and is. Lexi knows what it is. <laughs> 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 I literally, I kid you not, watching this episode, I. Was over Lexi's house one time, not, not to make you feel like out of place, Ginger. I'm so sorry. It was all these personal stories, but I was over Lexi's house one time, and we literally watched this episode. And it took a solid half an hour longer than it should have because I kept pausing and talking, like giving an in person made a commentary on the <laughs> episode. Um, a, director's literally cut. a director's cut. Like pausing, and I just show up in the background, like blah well, blah blah. This is why this is amazing. <laughs> Um, and that episode was or is Midnight, um, the Day Becoming episode of, in season four. That episode is just a masterpiece of psychological horror. It is so incredible. I can't put it into words. One of these days, I am going to make a big post about it on my blog and why I love it and a big psychological analysis. But I want to be able to rewatch it first. And like I said, it was taken off of amazon prime so i don't have access to it um yeah i luckily found vincent and the doctor on youtube but like your experience it was not the best quality <laughs> but once i am able to rewatch it i'm definitely going to be talking about that episode on my blog because it is phenomenal as someone who is a huge fan of psychological horror that episode is just so up my alley i could talk yes. about it for hours Lexi knows this because I have, and she's endured it. (laughs) So that's my favorite. I love that our three favorite episodes are my top three. So it's kind of the trio of like my three favorite episodes of modern Doctor Who, at least ever. (laughs) Um, But another thing I would like to discuss, because this is a big part of Doctor Who culture as well as fandom, and that is your favorite Doctor as well as your favorite era. Because there's so much change with the show. We're constantly, I mean, having new showrunners. We switch from Russell C. Davies to Moffitt in our signal And we switch our main characters. We, you know, the Doctor regenerates, we get new companions. And in doing so, it creates different eras of the show that have a different feel and style to them. Which in some ways is very cool, but also every fan tends to have their favorite. (laughs) So I, for one, am a a total Russell T. Davies girl, and I specifically love the Rose Tyler era, seasons one and two. And I know, Lexi, you're a big Ninth Doctor fan.
2: Yeah, 9 and 10. My favorite episode is actually a 10 episode, which is
0: weird. Yeah.
2: Because 9 is my... Favorite doctor, but my favorite episode, I think, is actually thinking about this again Doomsday.
0: I love Doomsday, yes,
2: <laughs> the emotions of it are so heightened like that's Ugh. the one that makes me cry the most. Yeah. But, um, yeah, I don't know, I feel like nine was just such a different feeling than the rest.
0: It of was, he, yeah. he had this yeah. beautiful, quiet complexity to him, and how Christopher Eccleston played him, where he was really the post-war traumatized doctor, which is something that we don't really see in any of the other doctors. They're much more... Kind of on his road to yeah, recovery. Which, when we get to 10 in 11, I mean, 10 is my personal favorite doctor. I love David Tennant. But, um, but it's definitely a unique quality that we don't see in any other doctor. He doesn't have almost the confidence um in himself, in his own morality, that Ten does, whereas, I mean, Ten is arguably the most assured doctor in his morality. Um, He is constantly talking to his companions about that and saying, no, this is right, this is wrong. And then with Eleven, we get to the complete opposite of Nine, where, I mean, I forget what episode it is, but, I mean, Eleven kills people. I don't think you can say that for 9 or 10. Um, It's one of the Cybermen episodes, and people talk about that, how 11 is more of a you know, this is kind of a strong term, but monster in a bow tie, whereas 9 looks more menacing on the outside. He's more hardened because of being the post-war doctor. Intimidating. But on the inside, because of what he's gone through, he's Really, the softest and arguably most pacifist doctor. Yeah,
2: end of life crisis too. He did, like the what's it called? The Waters of Mars. Is that what
0: that episode's called? Uh, well, that's kind of where it's not. Waters of Mars isn't the final episode. It's the one before the finale two part or two the David Tennant specials. But that's where it begins, where he has this moral crisis, where he tries to save the people from the expedition on Mars. And there's this moment, and I know exactly what you're getting at here, Lexi, in the snow, after he sees that Adelaide kills herself in her apartment to make history right. And there's this look of horror in his eyes, and he just falls to his knees, realizing what he's done and what he's become, and that he isn't this power, like, he isn't, oh my god, what does he call himself, like, not the god of time, but...
2: Time
0: lord victorious hi lord victorious thank you right. yes he isn't the Time lord victorious and he sees how far off the edge he's fallen without a companion i think overarchingly um, the purpose of the david tennant specials is to show how much the doctor needs a companion <laughs> um and how lost <laughs> he is without one and that's the moment where after realizing that he just kind of drops to his knees um he's he's in the snow and that uh, ood. Uh, it, it feels so funny talking about the serious moment, and then you just say ood. <laughs> <laughs> um, so weird. They're Is so it... weird, though, but in the best way. The fact. That, oh my god. I, just everywhere. <laughs> I love that season. I love that season two two parter with the ood when they're introduced. I love them. <laughs> they're really funny. Um. And, you know, he says, like, no, like, it's not quite your time to die yet. But the song Valet de Sim," which means goodbye, Ten, in Latin, which is what it's like a swan song, essentially leading up to Ten's death or saying goodbye to Ten. It's hard to call it a death, <laughs> um, but but it really is, um, you know, people talk about, well, the doctor doesn't ever really die. But this rendition, which we've fallen in love with, does. We never get to see them again. In the sense of the character, by all means, it is a death. And that's what that whole moment is leading up to, where in the following two-parter, he does regenerate and we meet Eleven and enter into a very new era of the show, which is another thing going from... Uh, season four to five, and something that I had a very hard time was watching the show for the first time. Was not only are we transitioning doctors and companions from four to five, we're also transitioning the showrunner. And when I first watched the eleventh hour, the first episode of season five, I did not like it when it started. I love it now, but I was like, "This isn't right. I want ten again. I want Russell T Davies. This doesn't feel like Doctor Who." And I eventually fell back into it, fell in love with Amy. And I really like that era of Doctor Who, although I would argue that season six is a bit of a mess <laughs> um, in some ways. But and we can get into that later, kind of our favorite and least favorite seasons and all that. Um, for me, it's my favorite is either two or four. But it's interesting because no other fandom really has that experience within... A single show,
1: yeah, like I remember when they were kind of switching over from uh, uh, the Eleventh uh, Doctor to Capaldi and that whole Christmas special that was I mean, it was interesting. And I, at the time I was like, Um, what's going on here? This isn't right? What's going on? But then we get, you know, this tearful goodbye from Clara and then suddenly you've got this grandpa grumpy grandpa figure, figure, figure looking fit guy, like, and he's just kind of you know like, do you know how to drive this thing? <laughs> and, I <think> <laughs> and I think that line and then especially when he asked for a children's menu at that restaurant was when I think really <laughs> I figured out that I really loved uh um the 13th Doctor, like Peter Capaldi. The numbering is so odd. But, yeah. Capaldi was... A kind of an interesting transition from Matt Smith and his kind of goofball antics to this much more serious Scotsman, Scotsman kind, of kind of grumpy figure. Oh, yeah, so yeah, That was one transition that was a little yeah, that was a little, yeah little rough that was a little rough for me watching it and I was like, I'm not so sure about this. But then I watched, then I watched it for a few more episodes, episodes with the one where they had they couldn't, they had, they 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 couldn't breathe robot, because of those robots and then, back, the and, and, the, back, and, and then the Daleks coming back and then Having to repeat over time again, over and, and over again, and over again and over just diamond. to break through that wall of diamond, and it's like that was pretty good. Yeah, and it was
0: and it was different, but in a good way. Once once you sink back into yeah. it, and that's part of the whole cycle. You're almost supposed, like <laughs> in a sense, you're almost not expected or supposed to like it at first when it transitions because you're missing the old doctor or the old companion, whichever it is. But it's a process of falling back in love. It's, I mean, Hoopings are insane in that the experience of watching our show is a cycle of heartbreak and falling in love with a the character then having them ripped away then having to fall in love with another character then having them ripped away. Yep. <laughs> um, and i stated say that it's very unique to this show and this fandom. Um, like, I for one am not as big a fan. I actually, <laughs> controversial opinion, um, I like the current stuff more than I liked nine, seasons 9 and 10. I do. I definitely. Um I don't Yeah. 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 It feels much more in line with what I love about Doctor Who. Um I love Jodie Whittaker as the Doctor, and we will certainly talk about yes. her casting and that whole big thing because it was huge. <laughs> but oh yeah, um, I love it. But I do have some questions that I would like answered <laughs> from a technical standpoint, and I—I I, that remains true to this day. I want some answers. Um, but she gives an absolutely wonderful performance as a Doctor. That is more in line with Ten. If there's one Doctor who I yeah. had to compare her to, it would be Ten um and actually because I've, re- I've
1: seen all the old doctor who episodes like the 1960s and doctor and jody whitaker her kind of wackadoodle miss frizzle kind of performance as the doctor to me reflects a lot of the original doctor yeah especially for like the, at least the first at least up until yeah. four before they could have uh gotten to some of the other doctors but it was this sort of wackadoodle this fun zany zany outer space adventures with friends kind of thing and while her story story did start start to get darker towards the end there were some really fun episodes where you actually got to learn some things like how the original doctor who was kind of created yes
0: and that i'm so glad you brought that up because that is another thing i wanted to talk about in terms of uh season 11 and season 12 and that's that these recent seasons one thing i do give them credit for Is that they seem so in line with what original Doctor Who was doing more so than any of the rest of Modern Who, and that's teaching. Uh, Doctor Who was made as an educational program. The episodes where they went into the past meant to teach history, and the episodes where they go into the future meant to teach science. And never before has that been so prominent in Modern Who. So I I do greatly appreciate that. And I really love a lot of the choices that they've made going back into history of Nikola Tesla, Mary Shelley. I haven't gotten to see the episodes, but even just seeing the pictures and knowing that they did that, I appreciate it. I haven't gotten to see all the episodes of season 12 yet. I have seen all of season 11. Um, Season 12, unfortunately, has not dropped on Amazon Prime, if I'm correct. Maybe I should check that. (laughs) Um, Because I really want to watch it. But... um... Oh, Lexi, you're muted. (laughs)
2: <laughs> uh, I was going to answer a quick question. Um, they, none of them are um, on Amazon Prime for free now. However, all the episodes, you can buy them all. Okay. I'm not finished either, and I don't know why. I just keep forgetting to watch it. And I am do <laughs> the last episode I watched.
0: Can I say this or is it a spoiler? You can say it. I'll say it. Um, Jack. Jack. You know, yes! Yes. Yeah. Like <laughs> happened. Oh, I <laughs> and I remember being
1: very like that. Answered none of my questions. <laughs> <laughs> I think that could be said for like a lot of Doctor episodes. It just leaves you with more questions than answers, and then you're left holding like
0: the, the entire story of River Song <laughs> for one. Yeah. Uh, oh god, I love
1: her character so much, but like her entire arc is backwards. It makes sense if you watch it from like. Where she starts in time versus where we see her. Like, then it starts to make a lot more sense, but... Yeah. Yeah.
0: Once you have it, it's really fun and enjoyable, but it is very tricky to get... It took me multiple watches to really get it down, what was happening. And it's interesting because I have found that watching Doctor Who has actually trained my brain in the sense of understanding time travel and paradoxes. Watching and listening to other time travel things. I mean... I'm sorry, I love Avengers Endgame, but the time travel aspects, I was internally screaming in my seat at the theater. (laughs) Yeah,
1: that, I just, (laughs) I I didn't see it in theaters, and (laughs) I only only watched it halfway through here at home, (laughs) and I was like, you know what, no, just, (laughs) no, I know how it it ends, ends. (laughs) thank you Tumblr, but you know what, no. (laughs) Um,
0: But that's a very good example of how Doctor Who's influenced my mind in that way, where Consuming any media over this time travel now, I have an understanding of that stuff. It's like it shaped my brain to think in that way. Um,
2: have you seen that episode
0: well, of what?
2: The one where I don't know the
0: name. Of oh episode. no, I have not gotten to, but I found out about it. I can't I, remember the I, name I either. It to you,
2: <laughs> so much weird stuff. <laughs> <laughs> but like, and I need to Maybe we do eventually get answers. how um, like. Jack isn't even the weirdest unexplained thing that happens in it. Like, it's probably like the most confusing. Like, not confusing, but uh, I really just hope the questions in it eventually oh. answered. And maybe they already have been. But the next oh. episode certainly isn't, And I think that's why I kind of stopped watching it, because I was just so frustrated.
0: Yeah. Well, that was me with. Well, that was me with my least favorite episode. Like, because even though there are elements of season 11 that I really like, in um, and, and this new era that we've established. Don't get me wrong, there are still episodes that I'm not a fan of. And the biggest example of that in season 11 is it takes you away in that cabin in Sweden. I did not like that. <laughs> um, and from what you're saying... <coughs> exactly! I couldn't tell you! <laughs> not, not to talk about... you know. And this is something, because it's very episodic adventures, which I appreciate, Doctor Who is all over the place where even though it's a show that we love and hold near and dear to our hearts, there are episodes that we love, episodes that we, I don't want to say hate, but strongly dislike, (laughs) Um, and everything in between, and it's okay to talk about those, and that doesn't make you any less of a Doctor Who fan or any less of a Whovian, it's just this is a show where every episode is very unique and singular within its own, and we go so many different places and have so many different kinds of plot lines and adventures more so than more so than most shows that we're gonna have favorites and there's gonna be things that we like more than others um in certain kinds of episodes that we click with more than others i for one really like those unique episodes without the companions like midnight and like blink they're some of my favorites um honestly i
1: think think what made Blink a little bit more terrifying than your average episode was that there was no doctor. There was no companion. It was just one person and a binder and this one nerd in a video store. So it's like, these were the people who started this episode were just your everyday people. It could be your big sister or your brother or your, your next door neighbor, that guy in class. that's who these people were. And like, and I think that's part of another reason I love Dr. Who's that a lot of the heroes in the show. They aren't like, you know, Superman or, Iron Man or a super rich dude with tons of toys. <laughs> you know, it's just, you know, the, the lady down the road, yeah. or you or me or Anybody who can help Because that's, that's... that's I guess that's what the doctor does they help and so anybody can kind of embody yes. that so they're
0: a doctor they heal He has two hearts Because uh, his, his weapon isn't a weapon of destruction. It's a screwdriver to fix things put it back together It's a healer and I love that yes. about him. But what you were saying about the heroes being just your average Joe next door, that is a perfect transition for me to talk about my personal favorite companion. And I know this is uh Ginger's as well. And the reason why I love her, and that's Rose Tyler. Um, I am a yes. diehard Rose Tyler fan. And the biggest reason for that, not only do I think her episodes in general are just really strong, and she had some really great adventures. um, Leading up into a very satisfying emotional ending in terms of like, not that it was pleasant to watch, it was heartbreaking, but just in terms of emotional reward and catharsis, (laughs) you know, kind of like... You know, that element of story where we almost love for our hearts to be broken. We love it when stories make us feel things. And it was very, like, very satisfying in that manner. But the reason I love Rose as a companion is that she is so average in every single way. In appearance, she's average height, average build. You know, she's... um, all- She lives with
1: her mom and she's, you know, works retail and... She, you know, her mom was a single yep. mom and, you know, she didn't come from this glamorous background no. or have some fancy job or fancy car. She was I mean, just, one, and I mean, even at one point in the series, she men- so mentions that she yes. got the bronze in a gymnastics like tournament. The- so it's like, she's not like some action hero, Black Widow exactly. type character. And she's fully within the realm of reality for absolutely. a lot of people. Um, In terms,
0: yeah. in terms of her physical abilities, you know, she can run. She's not, you know, she's fit but she's not some action superhero warrior chick uh, um, and even, and even if she doesn't tra- have like the decades of training Smart, um, you know she has a good head on her shoulders she's smart but she's not some brainiac um, which is something that I think Clara kind of fell into and I love Clara but or Clara sorry yeah, <laughs> um, to say it with the accent Clara but um, that's something that her character kind of fell into and I still love Clara but um, that averageness about rose in every way her appearance her abilities her life
1: it made it a lot easier for the audience to see themselves in her and as companions of the doctor to
0: have this character be the doctor's true foil and built up as his soulmate his you know one true partner that is so powerful to see as someone who could be rose um mm-hmm. And I love that they did that, especially with the first companion who they returned with. I think it's very, very special. And I think no other companion has quite hit that same mark that Rose has. I mean, you look at Amy and like I, Amy is fantastic, but, you know, she's also a five foot 11, looks like a supermodel, you know. Um I think the closest the note, one who hit the note was yes.
1: Donna Noble. We're, because it's yes. where... Rose Tyler was this, you know, she's, you know, 20 something out of college or high school or whatever they have not written. Okay, yeah. Okay. 19. And, you know, she's just average, but Donna is this older woman who, you know, runs away from her own wedding and isn't sure about her life so far. And she, to me, Donna still kind of gives her
0: parents. older.
1: Yeah. Older women, the hope that, you know, your adventure is not over yet. You're not, you know, just some throwaway. You can still go on these marvelous adventures and be someone worthwhile and worth talking to and worth these amazing things without having to completely you know change who you are or have horrible things happen to you like a lot of other female protagonists
0: also the fact that she um you know she's very healthy it's just her natural body type but the fact that she has a more heavy set bigger than average body type especially you know way bigger than average she looks like a mom she looks like 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 somebody's mom she really does and certainly you know a far cry from the normal, you know, thin, wave yeah, like really skinny uh, characters that you see typically. Um, I really appreciate that. And the fact that she gets to wear the fun costumes and she's called beautiful and it's not jokingly at all. It is completely sincere because she is. It's just challenging that convention. Um, and it's done without any qualms, any hesitation. And that's something that I do appreciate about the Doctor Who companions is that they do show different body types like you know as someone who happens to be short yes like for example Amy isn't as relatable to me um you know but that also is a body type that people have um you know very tall and gangly and that's important to show as well and then we follow that with Clara who's short and curvy um and I love the variety of women and also braces hair colors all of that that we see Absolutely in the casting choices and
1: especially even in the uh, supporting characters the amount of diversity
0: like okay yeah
1: okay fine you get aliens with like 20 eyes and tentacles arms. <laughs> then you get you know the commander of a starfleet is this african-american woman or this you know, dude who works on you know moon mine base 73 the guy leading it is you know this just Asian guy and it's like you know they don't go over that they're just there they exist as people and they wow. are there. And I love that the representation you know, is, you know, casual. casual. Absolutely. It doesn't, you know.
0: And that's something that, and that's something that I highlighted um, in our episode about the Dragon Prince, where they did the same thing, where it isn't a statement; it's just there because that's how the world is. Damn. We have, like, you know, lesbian like, lizards on this show. <laughs>
2: <laughs> and of that that I loved. It felt very real, and you just never see it, which is so sad. Um and I can't even remember what episode it was because it wasn't like a super standout episode to me. I think it was even a more recent-ish one. Um, there was a scientist character, and this was like a normal, like human, like type situation. Yeah, deaf,
1: was it the uh, deaf, the deaf woman?
2: What was it? Was it that
1: deaf woman? Was it that deaf woman who was yes! able to feel the vibrations in the ground? Love her. I, I love loved that. Her. Oh my god! When like I saw, like when screen I screen when I saw her on screen, it oh, was god. like oh my god! And they, I felt that way after seeing General yes. Amaya because it's like there's someone, you know... I was going to say, she's the like Amaya
3: Doctor Who! <laughs>
1: Bring her back! It, it's like... And it's like she's awesome and cool and it's like, you know, the fact that she's, you know, deaf is just, you know, this
0: tiny subtitle of her awesome character. I want her back. And the, the fact... I don't even remember the title. ...that not only is she not seen as weak or anything because she's deaf, it's also shown... Turns out to be an advantage. An yes. advantage. Not only being able to hear those vibrations from the creepy zombie. It's it's a it's the water episode two parter in season nine is when it comes up when they're trapped underwater. It's it's one of those Doctor Who does this a lot, like a confined space episode. where, oh we're stuck in this submarine or stuck on the spaceship and we have to fix things by you know X amount of time or else we're all gonna die. Um, I think about the Sun episode was Martha. <laughs> um, with that that happens a lot and it's one of those episodes and not only uh, that moment you talked about where she's able to feel the vibrations on the floor because they're dragging like the axe or whatever weapon it is it's really creepy actually it's like kind of out of a horror movie Um, I distinctly remember that moment but also the ghosts are speaking but we can't hear it they're just moving their mouths and she's able to read their lips and tell everyone what they're saying Yes. I remember I was able to read their lips and I was getting the plot before yeah. the people were, but I couldn't say it
1: because I didn't want to spoil it. And it was awesome. I was sitting there, it was like that's smug. That's how I felt. <laughs> smug. And it's like, I uh I know who's gonna die. Oh, first. That's funny
2: that's am- like that, who are just yeah. like in there. It doesn't feel like they're trying to make that's yeah, some- Is that, I feel like when like, yeah, people are differently abled or different, I don't know, identities sometimes that seems like they're trying to pat themselves on the back of like look here's this terrible it's person's life. it's pandering it's patronizing and yeah those characters in there as people just how yeah. they really function and it's
0: also really othering to the community We're like yes you can bring up these elements to an extent and how it affects them in society and their lives because of that because of how society treats this group but when it's done in that way where you're pointing it out every 5 seconds like oh, remember this character is this, like, it's very yeah. othering. Um, I know the show, uh, Arthur
1: is really bad about that. Like they, they won't even make them a main character. And like the whole point of an episode will be surrounding somebody's abilities. And I always found that really pandering. So having Dr. Who have this deaf lady who's able to feel the vibrations on the floor, read the lips of the ghosts, and be this complete badass
0: is just refreshing. And it's, just awesome absolutely yes um having those little moments is definitely it it goes a long way in showing ultimately what the show is and that's a celebration of humanity because even everywhere in outer space all around the galaxies (laughs) the universe we see that same reflection of humanity in different kinds of people whether it be aliens or not and it's, it's very subtle, but it's very beautiful because ultimately that's what Doctor Who is. <laughs> yes.
1: Well it, also, well, it also, to me, kind of goes to show that even though the doctors traveling through all these really important moments in history, it shows that these, shows that these everyday people, the people with disabilities, the, the, the people of different ethnicities, they were there and they were important just as much as anybody else oh, yeah. was.
0: Yeah. And the show never, like we were talking about, it never panders in that kind of patronizing way that makes you feel very othered and very removed from society. And in trying to recognize that, it it almost is a reversal of, of the effect that people are trying to have when they say that. it It makes you feel more different, more separate, not normal. And, and the show does acknowledge things when it's <laughs> important. For example... Uh, I think the most notable episode with this is the Rosa Parks episode in season 11 where um, Ryan and Yaz sit down and have that conversation about race in the 1960s and how they're having a different experience from the Doctor and Grimm because they aren't white, and it's important, but it's not done in a way where it's othering them, it's acknowledging this important part in history and how it changes their story and experience. I,
2: this is a very different track, but I've just realized I don't know this, and I'm very much wondering, what is the favorite episode? <laughs> I know what Ooh. mine is! <laughs> <laughs> I know what mine
1: is, I'll let Katie go first.
0: Uh... <laughs> Yeah. You know um, what mine is, Lexi. <laughs> yeah, I was going to say one word, absorb a <laughs> I like to pretend that episode never happened. Uh, <laughs> as much as I love the roast. Ironically, my least favorite episode falls in like my favorite season. But <laughs> that's just the way it is sometimes. Um, oh my gosh, I really, really despise that episode. <laughs> What's yours, Ginger? (laughs) I'm very curious. My
3: least
1: favorite. My least favorite episode of Doctor Who of all time, the episode I can't even watch again is shockingly, I think it was episode three of the first season of the reboot. And the reason is because the aliens put the brain of one of their Comrades, I guess, into the body of a pig, and he's terrified because obviously it's oh, a pig I body. However, I should mention here I am extremely so yes. <laughs> I am terrified of pigs. Oh my so god, I didn't even think about Like a kid at the time, <laughs> seeing this at the time, and like hearing what they did to that creature, they, they put this alien's brain in the body of a pig. Like, can you imagine waking up in another animal's body was horrifying, horrifying. and the animation on the Pig alien thing trying to walk on a time legs. That I usually don't like to throw around around the word traumatized a lot, but I cannot watch that episode again, and I will never never watch that episode again.
0: That's late late season three, isn't it? I think so. It was Eccleston, it was the Eccleston doctor. So, wait, there's another, there's a oh, okay, okay. I was thinking of because in season three, there's another thing with a pig man. in like the U- Yeah in New York City. <laughs> oh my god, there's 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 multiple pigs. <laughs> A conclusion. Doctor Who should not do anything with pigs.
2: <laughs> my favorite episode, I think it was in season it was seven or eight. It was no it wasn't eight because it was holiday. But it was just so weird. It was that one, in the whole lead up to this too. I don't know the name of the episode because I disliked it so much. <laughs> it's the one where the side come in and you find out that everybody in the like, Doctor Who universe who dies the weird thing where like their bodies can still feel the pain so where, like if they're cremated, they can feel themselves burning alive. Oh small oh, detail like there's so much. And it's not way too exceptionally weird is not the people vibe. I
0: remember you yeah. texting me freaking out about that episode, like Katie, I don't think I can watch this. Um it's it's the finale yeah. of season eight. Um let me look it up. Uh Dark Water and Death in Heaven. Yeah. yeah. And it ends with uh Clara's yeah. boyfriend Danny uh with the Cybermen thing. Yeah. Which I, was, which I was. Oh I, God, that, that was so horrifying. Actually, I was not a fan of his character. It did not seem natural to me at all. That is an area where I thought some diversity was a little forced. Like, oh, let's throw an interracial relationship in there, and like they didn't put the time and effort into actually making a genuine, cool character who fit organically into the story. I don't think it
2: had anything to do with diversity for me. It was more just that like he was
1: shoehorned, shoe-horned yeah. romance is typically yeah. what it's called. It's
0: like this sub-plot romantic subplot that doesn't need to yeah. be there. Like We had Amy and Rory, just, and they were fantastic. Uh, Let's have a companion without a love interest. Like, even, yeah. even Martha ultimately ended up getting Mickey. Which
2: thought I didn't mind. I thought that was a weird little cameo, but like...
0: I kind of liked it, yeah. too. I kind of liked it, too. It was,
2: it was fun. It was, like oh so these two characters you never really saw meet or in- well they met but I guess they didn't really interact a lot it was just kind of a fun little thing to throw in there oh I love kind of going
0: we should talk about Mickey's like, character arc I, was just- what? Uh, I mean uh, I was gonna say we should talk about Mickey's character arc, but what you were referencing, uh, I love that episode not only because it's very emotional as he's saying goodbye to everybody and saying goodbye to Donna, and that's before right before he goes off alone. But uh, I love it just for the fact that it gave us the classic gif of David Tennant standing in the rain. <laughs> it is a it is a wonderful gif. It comes in use many a time. <laughs>
2: But. Is that when he revisits everyone, that's <laughs> another part where I just like cry every time.
0: Oh, me too. But, I think that's
2: yeah. the ones that I cry the most at Or, like you said Vincent and the Doctor, obviously Doomsday, that's number one. Um, and then actually, weirdly enough, when Eleven leaves, Eleven wasn't my favorite Doctor, I think he's my third favorite, and then, um, uh, uh, 13 and then 12. Yeah, but when he left, the way it ended, it was like it was this Amy Pond good night thing. Mm-hmm. And
0: it was just like the bedtime stuff. Like, yes. Oh. Yes. It was so. Um, yes. that up his I love it. Although I didn't like that Karen Gillen was so obviously in a wig. Oh, I didn't know that. <laughs> oh my god. Look for it next time you watch that episode. It is so clearly a wig. Like not even just like it looks different as it is because her hair is super long and straightened. It doesn't have the slight wave to it that it normally does, but it is so obviously a wig because she had shaved her head to play Nebula. Yep. Yep.
1: Um, a lot of people pick their least favorite episodes based on stuff that creeps them out or based on like a really bad plot decision, such as. Do you guys remember the episode where the moon was an egg of some sort? Oh, yeah, that was so bad that I love Peter Capaldi and his acting was awesome. But the writing, I don't know who wrote that episode, but I don't even know what to say. <laughs> Yeah, somehow so it was somehow it blew I up and it. didn't at like the same the time.
0: Of Earth They're all humanity, it's just oh, internet. yeah, sure. The tides,
1: <laughs> so actually, I know that if the moon actually weren't there, we wouldn't have tides, but I mean, it wouldn't be like apocalypse dead, it'd just yeah. be really uh, not good. We wouldn't have the tide, some gravity would be affected, so but
0: like not like the planet set yeah. on fire, like annihilation. <laughs> but, <yeah.
1: laughs> But yeah, that that episode was
0: Ooh, oof, yeah. just
3: yeah.
0: oof. <laughs> <Man>. <laughs> yeah, Seasons eight through ten yeah. were um, a time.
3: <laughs> yeah, a little bit. A little bit. <laughs>
0: remember, just, remember, because yeah. of her style, everyone thought Bill was going to be from like the seventies or eighties. Uh, yeah. Before, uh, yes.
2: That's, that's something I hate. They're always like British girls from
0: modern times. <laughs>
1: yes. I think that's an easier casting. I think it's an easier casting decision, and because so she's more easily identifiable with, you know, modern fan girls. So it's like I, I'd be, I'd be easier to identify with like a 22 year old from Great Britain than with a 22 year old from the 17th century, you know, Wales or something.
0: Still, I don't know. Like I, I would have. I mean, I'm a huge fan of Victorian Clara. And I would have loved to see her in the artist. Um, what what happened Obsets to her me. upsets me so so that much say because I was really hoping for that. Think <laughs> <laughs> of all the beautiful costumes we could have got. Oh, oh would... my gosh, we need <laughs> a nineteen
1: twenties companion, like a like a flapper, do. like this sassy, like like
0: this sassy, you know. But also Charleston Dan- the the dancing of the twenties, they would get so along with the doctor's sensibilities. <laughs>
1: Yes, very much so, and the aesthetic. Oh my God, can you imagine if the interior of the TARDIS looks like Art Deco or Steampunk? Or
0: yeah, that'd be awesome. Although Steampunk is more that Victorian in word, that'd be awesome. I would also love to see companions from other planets and places. Which that I understand more so why they can't do because having oh, an yes. alien consistently on the show for multiple episodes as a full-time companion expensive. is going to get expensive, but. It would be very fun to see, even temporarily. Um, we have had aliens as a companion, but they've an old who, but they've always been humanoid to to avoid that. But I still think that a, a companion from a different time period would be very refreshing. Um, and I, and I do understand yes. keeping it in England as well, just kind of honoring the show's heritage because yes. um, it's such you know, a gem, um, a cultural icon of the United Kingdom and of England specifically. But, I mean, we already messed around a little bit. Like, we had a Scottish companion. (laughs) Um, Even things like that. Like, even if it's something as small as, like, having an Irish companion and staying in the UK, like, little things like that would be very refreshing where it's not just always London. I mean, I actually like the new companions because they're northern. So they're at least a bit yeah, they're, different. Yeah, they are friend.
1: Yes. Like a, a lot of my family heritage is Scottish, so it's like fuck. Ah. So like how the UK is
2: <laughs> a group, which yeah. is
1: kind of I mean, I guess. It's like Well, in classic Who in classic doctor who the companions were actually a group like the original episode like from the very beginning there was two teachers and a teenage girl but the teenage girl was the doctor's
0: granddaughter granddaughter
1: granddaughter, so so, she can't really count yes but yes, you have these two and teachers and I feel like we need like a, a really good combination of companions Would be like one person from like the Victorian era or the, the, the 20s and a modern school teacher. And then, you know, the average person, the average, person, the average Joe or Susan. And that dynamic could be really funny because they would be learning from each other, but also teaching each other things along with teaching the doctor the lessons.
0: I'm curious, who is your favorite companion? um the current three.
1: Oh, my gosh. oh my gosh honestly um, um i can't really pick they all just really together. gel together yeah, I honestly like i feel like as a group and they're, and they're just like i'm trying to figure out a good way to word this but i
2: feel like i'd need to rewatch. um from where they yeah. came in, because I feel like I started watching the new season,
1: and I didn't entirely remember, like, their whole plot
2: lines, like, I just
1: mm-hmm. remember the yeah, bit, yeah we, I can, uh, I can sort of, like, get on, sort of like yeah, get on that. that, but yeah, I think and if I had, had to pick three, a favorite of the three, I'd, I'd say it's Yasmin, just, just because I can really, I can kind of really identify with, kind identify with the siblings, with siblings, ton of big siblings, siblings big family, kind of chaotic, and a mother who's apparently afraid of spiders, and that, that yeah,
0: because that that actually does have something yeah. to do with the plot. Yeah. so you yeah. know, I am a big fan of Yas too. Um, partially because I just tend to like be partial to the female companions in general. <laughs> um, although I I must say I adore Rory with all my heart. But <laughs> yes, um, h- how many times did he die again? I <laughs> <But, laughs> uh, <laughs> almost as much as the doctor. <laughs> not sure if we can count it on one hand, honestly, Time Lord's honestly status. and a Roman centurion. <laughs> oh my gosh, as, little side tangent, as an Italian person, that joke was one of my favorites in the show when Amy was like, I read about the Roman Empire in school, she's like, I got points off for my essay in the title, Invasion of the Hot Italians, I'm like, yes! <laughs> <laughs> i love it um, <laughs> that, that,
1: was so that that was so funny because it's like, like a that is such like a middle school girl thing to do like i
0: know <laughs> or even early high school like let's oh so great and you and you can just so see <laughs> little amy doing that too oh i love it yeah but um actually in ter- I have a different
2: opinion of the new companions i like and i can't even think of his name right now it's been such a long while since i've watched this and i hate that the older graham, uh, graham- yeah
0: I love um, Graham and I, I was actually going to clarify that in terms it's of writing Graham like personally like it's yes for me like in terms of who I like I but cri- but critically in terms of writing I think Grimm is by far the best yeah I think
2: yeah. I also like the like different ages yeah. um, and, yes. like, and, and like, mm-hmm. mm-hmm. something?
0: Yeah. Yeah. And the, yeah, he, and there's no yeah. like, jokes about him like not being able to keep up like old man or anything like that. And he's really funny. Uh he's just
1: sort of like, just, like, sort of like the the dad figure because now that you know Jody Whitaker's doctor is much younger, it's like, you know, somebody's gotta be the adult around <laughs> here. So
0: Absolutely Absolutely. <laughs> Put on a <that>
2: sweater. <laughs> Like having the younger and older, just that dynamic. Something about it is really fun without being cheesy. The way that it is. So yeah. It's just, like it's like it's just a family. Like, like yeah.
0: Family. And it creates that diverse array that you want of people bringing different things to the table. Like Yaz is bringing a much more strong-willed, level-headed kind of quality, like almost Ravenclawish quality, you can say, to the table. Um, and then we have Ryan bringing a bit more almost. I don't want to say, like, physicality, but, like, he's very bold. He acts. He's a Gryffindor. (laughs) Um, You know, and we see that both aid them and disservice them on their adventures on the show, but he brings that to the table. Um, And I do love that he's fulfilling that role and he does have a physical disability. Um, I believe it's called dyspraxia. Correct me if I'm wrong. Um, But the, the disability that he has, I think it's very cool that they give him that and that's something that I certainly have never seen in a character and I'm sure that people who have that condition it's very meaningful for them to see that in Ryan a full-time companion running around with the doctor Um, so they all bring this different quality to the table it's you know what it is it's almost like and tell me if you agree with this it's almost like Yaz is the head and Graham is the heart and I'm not sure what Ryan would be in that case (laughs) <laughs> but <laughs> but uh, I definitely get those vibes from Yaz and Graham. Though. Unfortunately, um, Lexi had to go. Um, she had another commitment, and we ran a bit overtime. Um, so we'll miss her for the rest of the conversation. But it'll be Ginger and I from here on out. Um, and we were super glad that Lexi was able to be here.
1: Yeah, that was really fun meeting her, and especially talking about the, the least liked episodes. Like, yeah. I mean, there's episodes, you know, we hate for the writing, episodes we hate for, you know, oh, I don't like that character or I don't like that actor. And then I can't watch that one episode because I am afraid of pigs. <laughs> there's like, two, though. <laughs> nope. I'm thankful that Doctor Who really doesn't have much, like, horrifying pig content. Like, if it's in the background of a farm, that's a decent excuse. But if it's, like, what they did in that episode, it's like, ah, no, no, no,
0: Oh, no. Uh, That's funny. <laughs> nope. I didn't even think about. It. I didn't, like, make that connection because I'm, I'm well aware of your fear of pigs. <laughs> <laughs> yep <laughs> yeah, do you know what episode i'm talking yeah. about though in season three when they're in new york city during the depression and there's another pig man running around yeah i don't
1: remember that, <laughs> don't remember that so maybe that's an episode that i just somehow locked out of my memory <laughs> or where i see, it's see. Possible, or it's very possible my mom might have just skipped over for it your sake. <laughs> like if she <laughs> knows yeah because when i was a kid i was it was a lot worse when I was a kid, so she she's probably like, oh, you know what, this will, this will terrify her, so we're just gonna skip right over that. <laughs> okay. But yeah, something I think would be a really awesome subject for a Doctor Who episode, and something that I've never seen them do before, is dinosaurs. Like, we need a dinosaur episode. Like, not e- not even a oh, it came to life from the museum episode. I'm talking like the BBC documentary type, running with dinosaurs. Kind of Doctor Who episode, like they literally go sixty five million years back. I'm sorry, episode.
0: that would all be I'm funny. thinking about is the first Magic Treehouse book. Oh,
1: that, oh, that would be funny <laughs> as a reference to it.
0: Dot, dot in the was that um, Oh wait, or was that I, ice I don't age? think before <gasps> dinosaurs, yes, before dinosaurs, dinosaurs before dark. Dinosaurs before dark. Ice age. Sorry.
1: That, yeah, with dinosaurs before dark. Like honestly, that <laughs> would be. The funnest subject, also a reference to it. But it would be hilarious because it's like, you know, oh God, if it started out like, a, the, like the BBC documentaries always do, and then you just hear the TARDIS noises, and it's like, this is the wrong oh show.
0: Even get David Attenborough to guest star, <laughs> please.
1: Okay. Oh God, David Attenborough <laughs> just narrating the doctor. It's, you know, she's looking around like, where is that
0: British voice? I mean, he's from? from the UK. It fits right in. <laughs> oh my goodness, that would be. Pariah. And here, and here we see the Time Lord out of the time. habitat. Season We have wonderful tra- ideas. Time, lord, time, lord.
1: time Lords are sociable creatures, and this one is no different. And it travels with several companions through the wilderness of the Mesozoic.
0: And here we have three humans native to Britain running around with a wild Time Lord.
1: <laughs> they all seem highly they seem concerned. To the pack of some sorts. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, they they need to do more with the time travel cuz there's yeah. so much weird stuff there in history. Is. That like, like time periods without humans, like oh like a oh god. There was a, a series again by BBC yeah, yeah, yeah. who that starred Nigel Marvin and it was called a oh uh, uh, what was it called? <coughs> okay. My so, sister my sister <coughs> that the show was mind. called Chase <coughs> the Dinosaur. And it's yeah. Charlie, Jay, the guy, it started the greatest guy, Nigel Marvin. And basically, he had a time traveling boat and would yeah. explore dinosaur era and the era. <laughs> oh guy's wow! Yeah. Yeah.
2: Yeah. yeah. So I feel like those were
1: really popular, like when I was a kid. And back then, I feel like that would be a really fun reference to do in Doctor Who, just because the whole BBC thing and the history and the time travel.
0: Said, you know, episode, <laughs> Come on. I mean, there was dinosaurs on a spaceship. <laughs> Yes. How but toddler? yeah, how about a Tabler with dinosaurs? <laughs> <laughs> oh my gosh, dinosaurs on the spaceship. Yeah, <laughs> on. has a love for that episode, even <laughs> though it's so cheesy. She immensely enjoys it for yeah, one his. Sorry, but that- she was so on here to talk about that. But it- oh my gosh, what an episode featuring mm-hmm. Filch. <laughs> yeah.
3: Yeah, oh.
1: and who also played Merlin in *Trollhunters*? So yeah, he's yes. oh my god, so real yes. he's he's yes. a good dude. Oh my god, he's one of my favorite, one of my favorite actors of all time. Just everything he's did, he just embodies his character so well. On my previous topic, I really think that a couple more historical episodes would be awesome. Like, there's so many things that haven't been covered. Like, again with the dinosaurs, but also with places like you know the Aztec Empire or the Inca. Or, heck, Atlantis.
0: Yeah, or African empires. I mean, we haven't even really gone to Egypt. Yet. Ancient China. Like, ancient China
1: would be really cool.
0: Absolutely. There are so many different places around the world that we haven't gotten to go to. Um, yes. So much so of it. Really I mean, nice. we had the fires of Pompeii, and we had the Roman yes. Centurion plotline, but we still haven't really gotten an episode set in ancient Rome. Um, You know, e- even something with the Coliseum. Um, and Greek history, there's a whole bunch of stuff to be explored there. There's so many places we can go. And my personal favorites are definitely the historical episodes. Um, I would love to do some, Okay, this is something that I've been thinking about for a while and I can't believe that I almost forgot about it until now, but it just came back into my mind. And that's, I want to see Doctor Who, a famous, very British show. I want to see their take on the Revolutionary War in Colonial America. Oh yes. Oh yes. Specifically, I would love to see something that features Alexander Hamilton, capitalizing on the popularity of that right now. Yes.
1: Yes. Oh my gosh, that would be so cool. Oh, 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 you know, make it even better. if it were if it were a musical episode.
0: <laughs> <laughs> Doctor Who has not done a musical episode. And I think it about that <laughs> time. Oh my I
2: mean,
1: goodness. Why, why, I mean,
0: why not start now? Oh my now? goodness, that would be amazing. <laughs> 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 oh, I'm just trying to do parodies in my head now. Uh, <laughs> I'm going to write a whole Doctor Who parody for the show. Um, but yeah. That would be fantastic. Um, to see the British perspective on that, and that's something that they haven't touched. We've hardly even really touched the seventeenth century. Uh, sorry, not seventeenth century. Seventeen hundreds. Um, was a ten foot pole. Um, we haven't done much there. So we have done quite a bit of nineteenth century, but even then, I love the Victorian era specifically yeah. so much that I still want more. <laughs> um, like I.
1: The costume. I can never get enough oh, of the neither. costumes. Oh, me
0: neither. Which is why I wanted Victorian Clara in the TARDIS! <laughs> because, uh, like, I would have wanted her to go on these adventures, but, like, wear her Victorian dresses, if you know what I mean. Like, this is what I'm used to, this is what I like to wear. And she's going around the future just dressed up like a posh Victorian woman. Yes. It would be amazing. Yes.
1: <laughs> And, it, and it's funny because I do some uh, historical costuming and I have a Victorian corset and it's like, you know, there's this TV trope of them being super painful or super uncomfortable, but it's like they're not really. If you wear one that's fitted right and if you wear it properly and don't tight lace like a yeah. dingus, you're yeah, not actually supportive. All, all it does is suck in the squishy
2: bits. <laughs> I mean, I mean, I mean. <laughs> Okay. As someone
0: who back wore a back brace for many years with scoliosis, I can tell you, a properly fit in a back bit. brace I the same, same thing. Because <laughs> no, that's basically what the back brace does, is uh, just, you know, suck in the squishy bits. <laughs> yep. Yeah. Yeah. But yes, I no, would love to see that. Um, oh, goodness. I mean, I would love to see, I mean, We've done a decent amount of World War Two, but I would still love to see more of that. My favorite episode still being in season one, um, the Doctor Dances and the Empty Child two-parter. But I always love to see World War II stuff. It's another favorite point in history of mine. Um, not favorite as in it was pleasant. It be further than pleasant. But favorite points in history to learn about and see depicted on screen um and especially go to in time travel stuff i would love to see more of that the 20s like you said <laughs> um we had the 1920s style train but in mummy on the Oregon express but i would really love to see an episode where like we go through roaring 20s in new york city or chicago or something I yeah. think that'd be absolutely fantastic. Like just somewhere with,
1: with the music and the, the Charleston and the flappers. That would just be epic. absolutely.
0: And especially, I mean, we also had that episode with it, Donna with it, Agatha Christie. But even that was like quaint out in the country and stuff. It wasn't. It wasn't roaring twenties. Yeah, uh,
1: it was just you know her. Absolutely. Um, Uh, And my mom just suggested that we still need a (laughs) ginger doctor,
3: and I can agree more.
1: (laughs) I volunteer as a tribute. I might be American, but I volunteer. I volunteer as a (laughs) tribute. Yes.
0: Yes, I absolutely still want that, and that would be the perfect opportunity for an Irish doctor, let's be real, or another Scottish doctor. (laughs) Yeah. I would love to finally see a ginger doctor, and I think I think it would be a very good choice to actually following Jody because she's not so ten and that's where that kind of all originates, um, with the, am I ginger, no, you just sort of <laughs> <laughs> um which I love, which is basically was the story of my life until I finally went redhead. Um, I was like, every day waking up, I not want to be ginger, I want to be ginger, and it's like, oh, no, this is wrong, you're
1: yeah. my my hair it it's pretty red normally but like depending on the lighting it yeah. changes oh, yeah. like sometimes it just looks oh meh. yeah no and especially if i get sick it looks meh or you know i'll wake up and it looks like you know Mufasa stuck a finger in a light
0: pocket for the look. (laughs) Simba after he gets out in the water. Yeah, I feel like something, there's a kind of an
1: aspect to Doctor Who that a lot of shows don't have is uh, nostalgia, but in a good way. Kind of like if you look at the old Star Trek, like you have these generations of fans, and we all have our things. Like, you know, an older viewer might have, you know, the first Doctor, like might remember that as a child. And my mom was saying that when she was little and she watched it with my Oma, her mom, that she remembers The Fourth Doctor with the stars. And my friend Kevin from work also remembers seeing The Fourth Doctor on TV. And then, you know, I remember, you know, Eccleston, Tennant, Capaldi, and Smith. And it's like, we all have our doctor. And it's this one show that kind of all kind of connects us.
0: Absolutely, and for me, my experience was for so many years of kind of like seeing Who and culture from the sidelines, not having watched the show yet, but wanting to. And in that sense, I feel like I almost grew up with Ten and, and Smith, Ten and Eleven, which was almost like the height of Doctor Who, modern Doctor Who hype, in a sense. <laughs> um, it It's admittedly kind of been on a decline um, since, in terms of fandom and popularity, and I mean, some would argue in terms of quality. But that's a that's like almost a whole other podcast for another day. I'm talking about kind of the journey that Doctor Who has taken, which we kind of touched on in this episode. But um, we're we're more focusing on our personal favorite things and least favorite things and journey with Doctor Who, and. I almost feel in that regard like that's who I grew up with um, because it was when I wanted to become a Hoobie and watch the show and finally get into it because I knew, you know, I'm a nerd and I'm going to love this. <laughs> and that was who was on screen and that's who everyone was loving at the time. It was their adventures. So even for someone yes. who didn't discover the show until five years ago, I mean, you think about it, that's not that much time. <laughs> um only five years in the grand scope of Dr. Who, which has celebrated its 50th anniversary seven years ago. (laughs) I mean, it's incredible.
3: Um, Almost 60 60
0: years years at this point. Wow. Oh my gosh. That's crazy to think about. Yeah. 2023 will be the sixth year. And, you know, by the time I'm in my forties, we'll have hit 75 years. It's like, There's this intergenerational, like we talking about quality to it, that because it spans all of our lifetimes and we've all had a connection to it, it brings people together. And that is something that very, very few people have and that very, very few stories are able to... Not people, sorry. And that is something that very few fandoms have and very few stories are able to achieve. Um, You even think of something like Harry Potter, where even that... Yes, it has this magical quality where it brings people together, but even that is very limited generationally. You talk about Harry Potter to, you know, a baby boomer, for example, someone way older, they're not going to have the connection that you do to it. It came so late in their life. Whereas Doctor Who, you talk to a baby boomer about it, and it's like, oh yeah, I remember when that was coming out in the 60s, one of the first sci-fi TV shows. Even if they didn't dedicatedly watch it, it's a part of everyone's memory. Yeah, it was kind
1: of big. And it was kind of ingrained in yes, culture at the time too. So. Because
0: it was history. And it has it has a historical and technological in terms of what it was achieving at the time. It was groundbreaking legacy beyond its story legacy of just being a good story. So it brings people of a much wider scope together, which I think is so special. And people today know what Doctor Who is, even kids. They're familiar with it. Um Even people who aren't planning to watch it or aren't diehard Whovians or anything, they're familiar with the idea of the Doctor. And even if they don't know it's called the TARDIS, you know, the time traveling adventures in that blue box. Everyone knows that premise. It's a cult. Yes, yes. I think they even
1: touched on that in the series itself, that that whooshing, grinding sound is something recognized by people and Oh, yes, everyone. absolutely.
0: Um, and it triggers nostalgia for many. But it's, it's funny that more, I think you're absolutely right, more people recognize the sound than necessarily know that it's called the TARDIS even. <laughs> um Mm-hmm. certainly uh, many more people than who know what TARDIS stands for. But um it's in case anyone's
1: wondering, case anyone's wondering it's time and relative dimension yes. in space.
0: <laughs> um so it is a very special show in that regard and I'm I'm honored, like honestly, in the grand scope of things, being a Hoovian and falling in love with the show, even though there are some episodes and eras that I'm not as fond of. <laughs> um it's special in a different way that any getting into any other fandom has been because i feel like a part of a much greater story i feel almost like a part of history with this and it feels like an honor to get to be a part of that like yes i am a part of this narrative this history that has been building for over 50 years that has this huge legacy and i get to witness that it's incredible I wish I had seen more than Modern Who. Um, I would love to go back and watch Old Who. I just don't know how to access it. If anyone has any advice on that, uh, please comment down below or message me on any of my socials at the Arcadia Ledger because I would love to know. But even just having seen Modern Who, I'm part of that experience. And I don't think there's really any other story or show that can say that
2: yeah yeah it's really incredible
0: absolutely I mean you think about how nostalgic people get over shows like Supernatural even which have been running for a lot of seasons or Grey's Anatomy like Oh, the nostalgia, the beginning, the olden days, and, like, even that's, like, over a course of, what, 20-something years, or, in the case of Supernatural, more like 10 15 years. Um, Anyone fan of those shows? Sorry if I don't have the dates exactly wrong. But the point is, that's on a much smaller scope, but even that is limited to more one generation and a much smaller period of time. Whereas Doctor Who is, by a long shot, the longest-running television series in history. And that creates a different dynamic in the fandom. In, I can talk to my Nona, bring up Doctor Who, and she knows what it is. (laughs) Um, My parents saw episodes of Doctor Who from, like, the third and fourth Doctors when they were little, running in the mid-late 60s and early 70s. They saw that when they first got TVs in their houses, and it was a huge deal. So it's really a celebration, I think, in a cultural staple that I mean brings particularly true. the heart of it is in the u k and in Great Britain specifically. but in the world in general, it it's transcended. It's crossed those borders. um, even in America, people know what Doctor Who is. They know what it represents. And that's really, really cool for something to have been able to stay long enough, very few things are rounds long enough to be able to build that kind of legacy and that doctor who really stands out as being one of a kind okay. and and that'll be about all for today thank you everyone for joining us on this very fun nostalgic whovian ride um if you have any story about how you discovered doctor who in your relationship with the series how you became a whovian i assume you're a whovian if you're listening to this episode <laughs> um it is titled doctor who after all um but hey i could be wrong. Um, and if so, hey, welcome to the world of the fandom. Highly recommend watching. If you have your own story, though, uh, please leave it in the comments down below or message me on any of my socials. I would love to hear it. I'm sure Ginger would as well. Not to speak for Ginger. <laughs> um, no, I definitely <laughs> a would. a special thing that bonds us all.
1: I think a good way to put it is just sort of a walk down memory lane for yeah, a lot okay. of people in the fandom and... Even from just a generational view of Doctor Who, like, a lot of people have really positive memories and some negative involving the series. And so, yeah, it was really fun talking about it.
0: Absolutely. It was a very fun walk down memory lane. Thank you for listening. Arcadia Ledger signing off.